Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bain Campaign. This is episode 11. We got a great one here for you today. We got a great guest, uh, Loe Myrtle Beach pitching coach Clayton Mortensen uh, with the Chicago Cubs joins us today. Uh, he'll be on in a few minutes, uh, but until then, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Chris McLean and Brian Smith. Guys, how are we doing? Hey, we're great. We're great. We're hot on the heels of a record-breaking episode with Brennan Davis. Go back and check that out. By the way, guys, this is Chris. I'm rocking my baseball podcaster shirt on today from Obvious Shirts, because why not? I mean, it's obvious. I'm a baseball podcaster, so got to wear the shirt so everyone in the house knows who I am. You can find me on Twitter at TurnAPairChris, and then I'll do all the other kind of normal plugs that we do, like if you like the show, subscribe if you don't do that. If you really like the show and you feel like we earned it, give us a five-star rating and leave us a killer review. So all those good things. I got that out of the way. I'm doing great. Max, I know you're doing great. Brian, man, how the heck are you? I'm doing good. We got our second big leaguer, the you know, second guy to reach the big leagues as a guest today. We also have the pitching coach of the Cubs minor league pitcher of the year. So we'll talk to Clayton probably a little bit about DJ Hers and, and the season he had. Um, but mostly I'm excited to hear about, uh, about Clayton's career and, and talk a little bit about, you know, he was around a lot of different organizations. Uh, you know, he's a first round pick. Um, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a fun time talking to him. Uh, should we, while we're talking to him, I mean, he was drafted by, by the Cardinals. Um, so should we maybe like trash the Cardinals? Cause they traded him too. <laughs> So he might have like poor feelings. And I figure that if we really want to play to our audience and I feel like based on the feedback we get and the people that reach out to us, it's a very large contingent of Cub fans that make up, you know, the percentage of fans that listen to our show are Cub fans. So I feel like if we really want to win more listeners, we should trash the Cardinals. What do you guys think? You know, the problem is that Clayton was traded for Matt Holiday, who, you mm. know, did a, did a lot of damage with the, with the St. Louis Cardinals. So, you know, there's just... There's a little there's a little bitterness about that transaction that that we might have to address. Yeah, yeah. I can uh, I guess I can support Chicago's dislike of St. Louis, but out of strict professionalism, I probably have to stay out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what we can all agree on: St. Louis is incredibly boring, right? <laughs> I mean, and and their pizza. Well, we're going Chicago just, pizza. We know that. It's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so like, yeah. That's it. That's all you've got to say. And tavern style. So, yes. I, you know, Brian, I heard, I heard what you were most excited to hear about today in this interview. Chris, what about you? What are you, what are you looking most forward to? Well, so I reached out to Clayton before we recorded and which I don't normally do. Sure. But what I was really interested in is I wanted to know who he was off the field. And so, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, he's, you know, he's got an incredible philanthropic organization, Smiles for Miles. So, you know, I want to I want to learn about that, but maybe more than learn about it, I just want him to be able to introduce it to our audience, and the yeah. event that people feel compelled to help. Um, but he just he's a guy who is really interested in evolving as a human, and and studying and like whether that's just studying. A lot of it is like how can I be a better pitching coach? Right. And so like diving into some things that, that are really interesting. So I'm, I'm just curious to hear about the things that he's educating himself on and how he's evolving, because that just seemed like something that was really interesting to him. So 
I don't know. What about you guys? Max, you jumped, you jumped low A. So what was your experience with Clayton in 2021? If you even had one? Yeah. So, um, I spent the majority, I would say 95% of spring training in the low A group. So I was with Clayton every day. Um, so kind of getting to learn from him and just see how well he communicates with people uh, is, is honestly really admirable. Um, and and it, even to the point where, you know, we only spent probably 25 days together, maybe 30. Uh, and I went back down for high performance camp in December and I saw him there and I went up, shook his hand. He's like, dude, when are you getting me on the pod? When am I coming on the pod? So the fact that he wants to be here, I think is really cool. And I think there's so many things throughout his career that I'm looking forward to diving into just, um, you know, how you learn over time, right? We've talked a lot about how I learned a ton of my first year. This, like you mentioned, Brian, he's been with a ton of orgs. So what do you learn org to org? Or what do you yep. learn when, you know, what's that big league call up like? But also this guy's also been sent down from the big leagues five times. So what's that conversation like? And what do you learn from one time to the next? And how do you apply that? So um, I'm really looking forward to having Clayton on here today. And just the fact that he's enthusiastic about being here, I think is, is genuinely cool. Um, not only for myself, but I think the podcast as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of cool. He was in a sense, your first professional pitching coach because, yeah, you know, you didn't, you didn't really have much in 2020 in spring training a couple of days and, and then you get to spring training in 2021. And uh, that's the first guy you're. Yeah. You know, I, I think he, um, so he, does, I think now that we've had a guy that I want to go back to was uh, Rob Hill. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, one of the things that Rob Hill said in his interview was just how much he valued uh, intellectual humility. And I think that Clayton does a really good job with that. He is so open-minded to different philosophical approaches to, to pitching or training or whatever it may be game planning. Um, he, if you have a, educated, logical, backed up reason for why you'd want to do what you want to do. He's going to let you do that because like him, you're, you're a professional, right? Or I should say like he was, you're a professional. So, um, I, you know, I just think overall, he's a, he's a really good human being, which I think we've had a lot of in our first season here. Um, and I think he just continues to exemplify that. It's kind of funny. I mean, you know, as you're describing him and you mentioned Rob, and I started to think about like movies. And if you think back to like all of your favorite baseball movies, the managers are kind of like these like old dopey guys who you wouldn't necessarily consider like, you know, uh, the, the top of the academia world. They're just yeah. like baseball-y baseball guys, right? Yeah. Big old portly guys chewing tobacco and they just have baseball knowledge. But, you know, I, we don't know Clay. I don't know Clayton, but the way I, just in my interactions with him, the way you've described him, we talk about Rob, like other baseball coaches I've met are so much more intellectual now than like the old school mentality that you see in the movie. So it's just kind of funny, just I especially don't know, just if you're going to go like hitting or pitching, you know, if you're going to focus yeah. in that arena nowadays, you got to have man so much more knowledge than I feel like ever before in those fields. A lot of brain well, I feel power like, going on. I feel like, you know, pitching the pitching industry as a whole is a very, I don't want to say egotistical. I'd rather say prideful. I think it's a very prideful thing that people, um, that people are in. Right. So in, in terms of, you know, I talked about intellectual humility, but like the, the people that work at a company like driveline, I'm not saying their employees do, but those guys are going to be all in on their philosophy and there's, they're going to be resistant to other methods. 
So you're getting, you're seeing less and less of that open-mindedness across the pitching development industry, where as in, I don't think you see that in the hitting development as much. I think that there's a much more uh, openness to other approaches relative to the kind of hitter you are. Um, So to see that out of Clayton, I think is, is, is really neat in today's day and age where we're at with pitching development. So Clayton's going to be honest soon. He's getting warmed up right now. He's warming up the vocal cords in the bullpen, but there's always that one thing that we do before every episode, every episode, we talk about that thing that we're thankful for. So I don't know if you guys are ready to go. I can share mine first and, and maybe give you guys an opportunity to sort of like prime the pump there. But um, mine is, is interesting. So, you know, there's the hall of fame vote that we're not going to, we don't have to talk about, but um, Joe, from Obvious Shirts, tweeted out a screenshot of a video game MVP baseball from back in the, in the early 90s. And it was a game that I played a lot as a kid. And there was one guy that was not on the game, and that's Barry Bonds. For right. some reason, he just didn't allow his likeness to be used. Um, so instead, I have the answer to that. I have the answer yeah, to that, by the way. Phyllis, uh, because he wasn't in the players' union. Right. So the rosters and everything are agreed upon between the players union and the company that mm. creates a video game. So that's, that's why, like, I don't know if it's the same example, but that's like Bill Belichick isn't in Madden. I didn't realize that Michael Jordan was not on early video games where it'd be like, yeah, it would be like point guard 23 or uh, shooting guard 23 on, on early uh, video games, EA sports video games. So anyway, so John, John Dowd, was the name of the right field or the left fielder huh. for the San? He was a uh, uh, a a guy that had all the same characteristics of Barry Bonds, except for he was a right-handed white guy, yeah, and uh, had a different number too. But I just I saw that tweet and it reminded me of just a great time as a kid, and I remember playing with this made-up guy John Dowd, and he would hit home runs all the time, always made sure. contact made incredible plays in left field. So I'm thankful for the memory of John Dowd and damn it. John Dowd should be in the hall of fame. <laughs> Brian, you want to go ahead and go what next? What about you guys? Yes. So I just booked uh, one of my favorite days of the year, which is baseball related. So I split cup season tickets with three other uh, guys here in Chicago. Shout outs to Mike, Shane and Steve. And every year in February, we get together in at bird's nest in Chicago, a bar, a bar in Lincoln park in Chicago. And, um, Mike brings a gigantic poster of the Cubs schedule and we hang it on the bird's nest wall and we do a draft for the season. We pick which games are ours, you know, which games we're going to go to. And, uh, we just do it snake draft style. And, uh, you know, there's some rules and some penalties. If you draft games that were already drafted, you know, alcohol gets involved, uh, there's some rules about if you draft the all-star game, you have to go attend it uh, no matter what city it's in. And it is just one of my favorite days and just going in there knowing, okay, I can't go these weeks. I can't go those weeks. And then, you know, inevitably what happens is the, the game that you want the most, somebody else wants the most too. So it's, it's a blast and it's uh, it's coming up here in a couple of weeks. So I'm uh, very grateful for baseball for giving me that day every year. So that help me with the all-star oh. game. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, So, okay. What you got to imagine is you got the schedule and it's got, it's got all the Cubs home and away games and the all-star game and guys are drinking. 
we're, we're 16 rounds in, you're looking what on the schedule has not been X'd out yet. <laughs> and, and you're you squinting that. a little, you're like, Oh, a, a game in July hasn't been chosen yet. I, I got to pick that one. <laughs> and so we, awesome. we made, we made the rule. If you pick it, has you gotta it, go. Has it happened? So it happened the year it happened. And then we made the rule after it as a result, but the only penalty levied for that so far has been uh, in the form of shots. Okay. Nice. All right. Nice. In my head, in my head, I'm picturing, have you guys seen the movie fever pitch with yes. Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore? Parts of it. Parts of it. Right. So they have the season ticket draft and they have people dancing for the Yankees. Like that's what I have. That's what I have in my head right now is, yeah. is how this draft takes place. Fair. <laughs> um, it's fair. <laughs> but, uh, I guess the thing I'm most thankful for, you know, I've had two people to, to or two answers to prep this, uh, but we got a guy on the podcast today that I have had on my fantasy baseball teams growing up. And I think that's pretty freaking cool. And I don't know that I've ever told him that to his face. Uh, just like when I saw Jason Kipnis at camp in 2020, I would never tell him that I watched him play at Arizona state. Uh, but I did. You just don't tell that kind of thing to people, I guess, just because you don't can want them tell- to realize their age. Um, can we tell Clayton? We can't, Tonight? I guess we can. I, I, I don't really care now. I just, I just think it's kind of cool that we're having a guy that like, I've literally just put enough value in to put on my fantasy team. I think that's cool. really cool. It's uh it's something a little bit different. Uh, that's kind of all I can come up with right now. If I'm, if I'm being genuinely honest, but I am actually pretty stoked about that. That's uh, Max. That's, uh, what fantasy, do you still play fantasy baseball in any way? Actually. So I stopped after uh, I stopped after 2018. I stopped after 2018 because I didn't know if I committed to it in 2019, I didn't know the, and again, this is like at the time that I still thought I was going to get drafted at like 300 pounds, but I didn't know if uh, I was going to be able to, like, I didn't know if that constituted a sports betting, right? It's kind of like a, it's sure. kind of a gray area. Even if you're in a free league, like who, like you're still kind of in a way you're still betting on players Were to you succeed just- or players to fail or, was very Back in the day, were you just putting drafted. all the value on fat pitchers? Were you like Bartolo Colon? I'm <laughs> drafting him every year, no matter what. No, but I had an insanely low patience for God. Like, I remember when I was super young. So, like, I want to say 10 years old. I think Matt Holiday had, like, a horrible first two weeks of the season. And I was like, you know what? Drop him. See ya. <laughs> and it was like, at that time, he shouldn't have even – I mean, that's – I'm 24 now, so that would have been 14 years ago. So – 2007 2008 like he was crushing it back then even better you know I mean? would be if you traded him for clayton mortensen exactly mm. so i know for a fact Ooh. though that i definitely had clayton on my team at one point or another so that's uh that's kind of neat hey can i tell you a really funny story about a hey, you mentioned 10 years old and just kind of being irrational and dropping matt holiday yes so i come home from work today and uh today being thursday january 27th and earlier this morning the Bears named Matt Eberflus as their, their new head coach. So I come home and I tell Landon, Landon, hey, the Bears just signed the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator to be their head coach. And his response was, oh, that's terrible. He doesn't know anything about offense. And I just thought, man, the thoughts of, of babes, just a, an eight-year-old kid with irrational thoughts and he's already got anger about being a Bears fan. <laughs> So with that, guys, we will we'll end it here. And in a couple minutes, we're going to come back. Well, maybe not a couple minutes. A couple minutes for us. Maybe a couple seconds for you. We're going to come back with our guy, Clayton.
We are back here with Chicago Cubs pitching coach Clayton Mortensen. Clayton, man, we are so pumped to have you on. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to do the interview. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're hoping, uh, given that, that you work in the organization with Max, that you have all sorts of just really good dirt on Max that you can share with all of our <laughs> listeners. People have, been at, people have been DMing Brian and I asking for the dirt, and it's like, no, we're not going to share it, but, but you can. So, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but man, so, so you're like, you're coming up on, you know, spring training starts soon. You're, you're a dad, you're a baseball coach. Um, you know, you're, you're in dad mode right now. So like, what's, uh, what's, what's planned from now until you're really locked in on spring training? How are you going to maximize that time? So that's just kind of, that's like the trick It's just spring training is right around the corner and it's just trying to maximize the amount of time I have with my daughter, with my wife, try to get as much done around the house project wise as I can. So when I do leave, you know, my wife doesn't have a ton of stuff on her plate that she's got to handle with a job, you know, and her daughter, the dog, that's a butthead. Like <laughs> you know, she's already got enough on her plate. So I just try to do as much as I can to try to make, life a little bit easier for them while I'm gone and just to maximize the time I have, like whether that be when my daughter gets home from school, spending time with her out on the trampoline, going on bike rides, whatever it is, like just spending time is probably the biggest thing that we can do when we're at home as coaches, mm -hmm. just because it's when you're gone for five months, it's invaluable to come home and just spend time. Yeah. How, how old is your daughter? She is seven. She's seven. Okay. Brian's got a, a son who's seven, seven yeah. and I've got a son who's eight. My daughter's 11. So I've got to act like TV little, like little kids TV is can some, can be some of like the, the most annoying stuff. What does your daughter watch? Like, what is she into? Oh man. You know, she loves watching some stuff on YouTube. She likes watching uh Steven share um, does a YouTube thing like share the love. They do little skits and whatnot. She loves that. Um, she'll watch an array of things. Um, Archibald on Netflix, pretty funny. Yeah, is she um, singing in canto everywhere she goes right now? Because that's that's my experience. <laughs> no, she hasn't. She hasn't seen Encanto yet, but she has no problem like rattling off some lyrics from songs. Who knows where they're from? But <laughs> right, it's cute. So my my daughter, um, probably a couple years ago, I'd say she's probably like eight or nine. She found Full House. <laughs> And maybe even she was, might've been around seven, but so she has watched every old school full house and the new full house episode. So, um, and actually I'll admit that I enjoy a little bit of full house myself because it reminds me of when I was a little kid and watched full house on TGIF. It's amazing. Like all like the retro shows, like kind of like poke their heads up from time to time on like, you know, certain networks will come up. Like I think I saw like a Hey Dude that was yeah. on something like a while ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, that slingshot me back to when I was like six, seven years old, or, you know, way back there. But yeah, it's, it's just interesting because the, the quality of show back then is so different than it is nowadays. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. Very much so. So what are you, what are you looking forward to this spring? What, uh, what's kind of hot on your plate? I know you're a guy who likes to study and, and educate yourself. What's what's kind of hot on your plate? What are you most excited about with spring training this year? Man, just to be back around the guys, be back around the guys, be on the field, be back around baseball. Like 
it's just it's just a feeling of kind of like being at home. You know, it's it's exciting to see how guys have trained, you know, how everything, what they've been putting into the offseason, how it's coming to fruition in spring training. And just being around that excitement is it's very contagious. It's very, it's very fun. And I think we have a great group of coaches and players of that are really, really excited about this upcoming year and where we're headed as an organization. So it's like just to get there and to be able to be a part of it and witness it, like that's what I'm most excited for. Well, and I notice it's been a hot minute since you've had the consistency of two years in the same organization doing the same job. So there's got to be a little excitement about sort of knowing what you're signed up for and and being uh, comfortable with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, like going into last year, I, I think uh, I'd signed – I signed my contract in January and did a lot of online, you know, uh, Zoom calls to kind of get to know players that I didn't, you know, ever get a chance to meet. Spent 30 days with most guys and then went out to season. And it's like you're just learning on the fly as you go. And being in the organization for a year, kind of getting established a little bit and getting to know a lot of faces and names and kind of seeing how we do our processes is and getting more comfortable with that is yeah, it's nice. It'll be really nice going into this year where I don't feel as, I don't know, nervous, I guess you could say, or just more relaxed and more at peace with it. So well, I can, I, I guess I can tell that you took a lot of pride in, in getting to know uh, faces and names, because one of the stories I have from last spring training is, uh, so we, we were all throwing on field, I think it's field one, um, uh, the odd, uh, the side field that the big leaguers use. And mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm throwing, I can't remember who I'm throwing with might've been Nahas, but, um, Clayton comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, uh, you're Max, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm Max. Good to meet you. And he goes, uh, Clayton Mortensen pitching coach. Uh, I really love the content you've been putting out, man. Like that's, it's, it's really cool for you to show how transparent and authentic everything has been. Um, and I, and I just love that. Uh, you know, I, I love what you've brought to the table so far. Um, so I could tell, I could tell you've taken a lot of pride in that. And it kind of leads me into my next question because, um, just before we jumped on, we, t- we were talking about, um, you were courteous enough to go back and listen to a few episodes, uh, which I think is the coolest thing I've done that with, with a few podcasts. And I think it really helps me get like a layout for the show. Um, but one of the things that you took from it in, in listening to the Ryan Jensen interview was it, it just, just how listening to those interviews helps you communicate with players. Um, so like, I guess the question is, uh, how much, like, obviously you take a lot of pride in it, but how is that learning evolution process been and communicating with certain individuals? And um, I guess, where do you stand now? Um, I, I think it's extremely important. Um, yeah. You know, probably like one of the biggest things that I got into coaching was just being able to communicate with people. Um, kind of like when I was playing, it just seemed like there was always a barrier. There was always this huge barrier of like player to coach. And it was, it was always awkward. Like I always wanted to like dive into my pitching coach's brain and be like, dude, feed me. And there'd be, whether it be stipulations from up top, can't say certain things, or, you know, sometimes there's coaches there just to punch a time card. Like it it was very frustrating. So it was like, you know, like I sat like, like deeper in my career, like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, like a hot topic by any means, but like I was an older guy around and, you know, a lot of the younger guys would come up to me and talk to me and ask me. And, 
you know, we would just shoot the breeze and I would spit my mind on him. And, you know, and I, it was just, it was very awesome and gratifying to kind of see guys like see some things. And then, you know, you know, one story like Kevin McCarthy that was with us with the Kansas city Royals. Like I was in rehab with this guy in 2013. I tore my labor room in my head and I was in rehab and these guys were all just young bucks and I had been around for a little bit of time. You know, and he went through the system, then he came up, and then he ended up being on my team in AAA. And, you know, we would just, we would sit up at night, and we'd play cards and gamble and whatnot, and we would just talk shop. And then he got called up to the big leagues, and I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 15 or 16. I can't remember which year it was. But, you know, he got called up to the big leagues. And then, you know, I was so jacked to see him get up there. And then he shot me a text. He's like, dude, thank you so much for all you've done. I was like, I haven't done anything. We just talked. So... Going back to your question, like, I, I enjoy listening to other people tell their stories. Like, it gives me different perspectives of how guys see what kind of trials they've been through. Kind of like, to me, it tells me kind of what their character is like. You know, like listening to Jensen, like going from highs to lows, you know, and how he dealt with it and kept fighting. And then, you know, ends up being a high pick. And then he's out in season, having his highs, having his lows. Like, then you, you can just kind of tell, like, the dude's got – He's got some grit behind him and he's, you know, he's had to struggle a little bit. And so it's like, I can relate to him on certain levels, you know, whether or not I'd ever like coach him. I, you know, I doubt I will, but just being able to say hi to him and relate to him on a level, like, cause a big thing that we're trying to do with the Cubs and that I think we're really succeeding with is like the coaches are very interactive. Yeah. Like we want it. We want to be, we want to be very open and transparent with the guys and like, we all take a lot of pride in just knowing our players and being open with them so that they can trust us. Like, we, you know, being able to kind of garner trust, like, is huge because nothing ever really gets accomplished. If, if you don't trust me and I'm spitting something at you that I see, even if I'm showing you something at it, like, it's going in one ear and out the other or it's not going to stick as much. So that's sure. just, you know, you know. But I really enjoy listening to guys tell their stories. I think it's really cool because everybody usually has a pretty unique story. And, and I can tell you, I'm I'm sorry, Chris, but I can I can yeah, tell you firsthand that uh, I was really appreciative um, of the transparency that that the coaching staff had throughout uh, 2021 and 2020, for that matter. Um, just because before before you go into pro ball, you have this kind of expectation of what it's like, or you have these stories. And typically when you have stories, you have guys that have very uh, end of the spectrum opinions, whether it be very good or very bad. Uh, so you hear a lot of stories about how organizations work. So you kind of go in with some preconceived notions. And um, I was really thankful for how, like, like you said, interactive and, and transparent the coaching staff was. And, you know, I, I think while we're on the, the, the communication subject, um, one of the things that happened with 2021 was a huge, um, or I guess the result of 2020 into 2021 was a huge kind of spike in, in injuries uh, throughout the minor league system. And the uh, kind of the result of that, the, the Myrtle Beach Clubhouse, at least from my perspective, it seemed like it was filled with a ton of, um, it, it ended up being filled with a ton of Spanish speaking players. So I guess my question is, you know, in spending as much time as you did in pro ball, as many different clubhouses as you did, how fluent is your Spanish and are you able to communicate with them directly and apply kind of those same principles? No, oh, man, I wish I spoke Spanish a lot more fluently than I do. <laughs> yeah. It's, I tell myself that every year. I'm like, dude, I, 
come on, you got to figure it out. You got to learn how to yes. speak Spanish. You just got to commit to it and do it. And I just haven't yep. picked it up to do it. And it's, you know, I always like kick myself at the end of the year, just like missing out on a lot of opportunities to impact players yep. on a deeper level. Cause like, yes, I could have somebody translate a little bit, but it, they don't quite get the emphasis of what I'm trying to say. Like I can tell you something, but it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a very like, I don't know, emotional animated person, if you will. Like when I speak, yep. so there's a lot of tone involved and it's like, if you're not getting that tone, then you're probably not fully grasping what I'm saying or the gravity of what I'm trying to talk about. So I, I appreciate you putting me on the spot because now I have to like, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I, I, it, I got to, if you're it's a coach, funny you baseball, say that, yeah. It, well, it's funny you say that because I went in the off season, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go learn Spanish because you have guys, I mean, especially when you have a guy like Nunez in the clubhouse who you or Eduardo Nunez for our listeners who don't know, but you know, he's, you're not going to get much with English and that's perfectly fine. Right. You, these guys are in positions where they've never been in before. And um, honestly, for them to be as vulnerable as they are coming over to an English speaking country and trying to communicate um, is huge in itself. So you want to be able to reciprocate and, and be able to make that transition easier for them. Um, but I'm in the same spot you are. Uh, I'm, it's January 27th. And uh, yeah, I still haven't learned Spanish. So we're going to ride in the fly again, learn a couple of words, try to string some sentences together and rock with it. I mean, I think I can communicate on a, a, a very small basis with them. Like sure. I think they kind of get the gist of what I'm saying. But man, like I, I got all the love and admiration for the Latino players. Like, Oh my gosh, yeah. Like those guys like pour their heart and soul into the game. And it's like, it's all they got. Mm -hmm. And it's like when, when you can show them like that you care and that you're trying to help their career out, that you really have their best interest, like they buy in and, you know, they're very open and they're just awesome. I, I love the Latinos. And it's like, yeah, I know, you know, they always like called me like Flacco forever. You know, <laughs> super skinny dude. But, you know, it's like, when you can show them that, like they'll open up a little bit and then you find ways you got Google translate, whatnot, sure. or guys will speak broken. I'll speak broken. And it's like, well, we'll get the gist, but yeah, we both got to learn how to speak Spanish. Cause if you're going to be in this game, like you got to learn how to speak Spanish. Like, we'll hold each other accountable uh, about uh, 10 months from now. How's that? Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think we need like a Rosetta stone sponsorship here. Yeah, I can. I mean, we can, we can try. <laughs> we can certainly try. <laughs> you know, it's definitely been like floated around. Like, you know, um, you know, don't quote me on this, but I know I, you know, heard through the pipeline that I think the Cubs are going to actually have a program for the coaching staff to learn how to speak Spanish and possibly even the players if they want yeah. to do it. That's yeah. great. So, so all that, the Latinos are learning English, like we got to learn Spanish. That's kind of how I feel too. That's a great segue into the question that I want to ask. So perfect. You were talking about, um, you know, just like trying to build relationships with guys and kind of understand kind of what makes them tick. And that helps you as a coach. And it sort of got me thinking to like, so I'm a corporate goon. Uh, I, I lead, I lead a team of salespeople in, in my organization. And the president of my company is really big on leadership development. In fact, like he's taking all the leaders in the company and like we meet regularly and all we talk about is leadership, whether it's reading books or putting us through these exercises of like mental gymnastics to like really dig deep to figure out what we're bad at or what we're not great at. And how do we get better at it? And, and so I, like, I, I admire that. It forces me to, to, to get better. It makes me want to get better. That was a really long intro to ask this question, but that's what podcasters do, I guess. Um, I'm curious what the Cubs do for you guys as coaches 
from a like a spe- very specific curriculum based leadership development. The, the Cubs do an outstanding job. You know, throughout this whole offseason, um, we've had webinars, we've had seminars, we've had material, emails, like a lot of speakers coming in and talking with us as a department. Like just the other week, we had a pitching educational week. So it was like the whole pitching department, front office, staff, you know, Jed Hoyer was on there, uh, Carter Hawkins. Now, by the way, like hearing that guy like talk, like fired me up. Like, dude, he's awesome. I can't, I can't wait to like actually meet him in person. But, you know, we, we had all varieties of people coming in and speaking. And, you know, whether it's from like biomechanics, analytics, to uh, former players, to leadership, we had a Marine come in and talk to us about leadership, which was so cool. Like I'm, I'm beyond fascinated with military, a lot of, lot of respect and admiration for the military. It's just, there, there's so much like correlation between all of it, the mental side of things. Like how do you, how do you train your mind to overcome obstacles? And, you know, he, he spoke about like, um, you know, Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership, and just taking accountability and ownership. Because I believe in our society nowadays, like people are so easy to point a finger and blame something else rather than like do a hard take and look in the mirror and be like, you know what, like I messed up. Like I need to be better. I'm going to be better. And just like the way they talk and present and then we elaborate on that of like, all right, how can, how is this actionable? Like, it's great. It's all great to hear it, to have it spoken to. It's like, right, how, how are we going to put this in play? And the conversations we have afterwards, I mean, on these pitching education, we, we had over probably like 120 employees on that hitting department, high performance, nutrition, strength and conditioning, you name it. Like, there's tons of people in there. Like, that shows that people are willing to see what we are doing. What are we preaching? What are we buying into? Everybody's on the same page and we're we're moving in a great direction and it's really exciting. And it's, you know, it just, it it just goes to show like when everybody's on the same page and everyone's kind of fighting that same battle in the same way, like, you know, there is no like second guessing or anything. It's just like, Hey, we go and do, and we just keep plowing forward. So the Cubs have done a great job of keeping everybody up to date, incorporating and what do I want to say? Uh, including everybody and just trying to keep our coaches progressing, keep keep the organization progressing. Like we don't ever want to get to a spot where we're like, oh, we're good. Like, no, if this worked this year, okay, how can we make it better? How can we make it better year in and year out? And that's how you'll have sustained success. And that's the that's the theory. That's what we're implementing. And you, you can feel it when people talk. You know, hearing Rossi speak, you know, old teammate of mine, but like hearing him speak is it's awesome. Like, you know, you're about ready to get up and go run through a wall and like, you're just fired up, you know, and just hearing like him say something. And then like the GM, the president, all these people are like on that same wavelength. Like it, it, it really motivates you and inspires you. And then that just, it, it's like a fire. It just keeps spanning the flame. When in like, your playing career, did you start to get the sense that you were going to go into coaching afterwards and, you know, what was it um, about the kind of player you were that, that you sort of thought that would make an easy fit and transition? I mean, you kind of mentioned it with Kevin McCarthy being, you know, um, sort of 
a mentor for him without even realizing it in a certain way. But, but can you explain a little bit about like when in your career it, it struck you that that would be a good way to go? You know, I, I think the majority of baseball players will probably say something similar to that of like, you know, when I get done playing, like, oh, I probably want to be a coach. Like I said that, like when I first started playing, like, ah, probably when I'm done, I'll go back to coaching. But I probably had that moment of, you know what, like, this is something I'll probably, like, I want to pursue the last, like, two years of my career, probably, like, 2016, 2017, going through those years, you know, and I had my ups and downs, but yet, you know, I was on the phantom list, off, contributing here and there, but, like, I was there more for, like, clubhouse, I was there more, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but it was, like, seeing guys asking and being, like, hey, like, what, what did you do here? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Or yada, yada, yada. It's, I think it, it just kind of grew like, you know, I, I want to help guys. I'm like, if my experiences and the stuff that I've gone through in my life, not just baseball, but just life, if that can impact, you know, one player for the better, like I'm all for it. Like to me, yeah. that's, you know, that, that ties into more or less like what we went through with my son, but you know, we can get into that a little bit later, but, but that, that was probably like the biggest thing is like just wanting to impact other people's lives. And then when you could kind of see that you had a positive impact on just one, it's like, it's, it's like, it's kind of like an addiction almost like in a weird way to say that it's like, no, I like, I want to keep going. Like, you know, it's not for me, but it's like, I want to make sure like guys, you know, if, if there's something I could do to help, like I'm, I'm going to offer it if you want it. And then if it does help, sweet. If not, like, okay, like that's just, I don't know. That's just kind of the way my brain operates. That's great. Did you have, did you also have that sort of uh, side as a player where you were wanting to learn like the next pitching thing, whether it be like the stuff you have to learn now with biomechanics and pitch design, was that part uh, important to you as a player or was it, was it more just that sort of leadership and, you know, affecting change thing? Yeah, that not whatsoever. Really? No. Well, yeah, like I was probably done playing by the time, like when it really kind of started catching fire and like people really started diving into it, like I had retired. Yeah. And I remember the first time my pitching coach, Larry Carter, oh, God bless this guy. I love that guy to death. But like after an outing, like he put a track man report on my, on my seat, like the day after I pitched. And I'm like, I'm looking at it like, what the hell is this? And he's like, oh, this is your track man. And I was like, what is that? You know, and I'm in triple. I've been playing for like nine years. And, you know, and he's like, that just shows you all your pitches and velos and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, like, I don't need a piece of paper to tell me that I made a bad pitch. The guy hit a homer, like this big red dot that's sitting right in the middle of the screen. Like, all right, like, I don't need that to tell me that that was a bad pitch. But one thing is, is like, when you're a player, you know, like, since I recently got them playing, like, I can still kind of say this, but it's like, you really kind of get caught up like in the internal battles of what's going on with you per se. Like when you retire, it's a lot easier to take a step back and see the bigger picture. And that's like a part of coaching that we're trying to do is try to help guys like see the bigger picture rather than just like uh, this one outing, this one pitch, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's, you kind of get caught up in the moment. You're not able to kind of like take a step back and see things. So now that I've become a coach, like the analytics, um, I think they're great. I really do. I think they're awesome. 
I think they play a big role. Do I think they're the end all be all? Absolutely not. Nor is like the old, old school way. Like if you can combine the two, like you're going to have a great product. So being open to that is a big part. Just being open-minded, hear people, a lot of very smart people explain it and try to get as educated as you can in it and how to apply it. Um, that's very important. And I've learned a ton. I mean, like overload work from all the people with the Cubs. Like we have a plethora of smart people. Yeah. And, but they don't present it in a way that it's like, oh, like you're an idiot. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're very willing to help and to like, like, no, like, hey, let me try to break this down a little simpler. You know, I'm, I'm always like texting Tony, you know, Kagul or, you know, Josh Zide, Casey J- uh, Jacobson. Like, I'm always like picking their brains. Like, dude, like, you know, this pitch design stuff, dude, has got my brain scrambled. Like, what, like what, what are you seeing and how are you applying it to this specific person? What's the background to it? What are you looking for? What numbers are you trying to get? And, you know, they've been great at helping it out. So, yeah, as a player, not so much. I wish I had what we had now back then. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, that's a little envious on my part. But now that we have it as a coaching staff, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think I can relate to, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, learning a ton and then you want that kind of mesh of that old school, just baseball field philosophy in the, in the analytics side too. And uh, the analytics, just because of how unbiased they are, drove a lot of, I, I really think drove a lot of my development. I mean, it starts with like the radar gun is most unbiased tool in baseball. Um, but it, just learning over the year uh, very quickly that, the, just the strict analytics approach wasn't going to get it done for me. And that's kind of the switch you see between July and August is just kind of having that uh, coming to uh, just that realization that you had, like, I got to learn to pitch again. You know, I, I haven't pitched in two years and that was even in division two and indie ball and relative to high a, the, the competition. I mean, there's really no comparison. It's almost all contrast. So, um, you know that, and then you, you talk about the internal battles too. I think it goes back to, to how we define success, right? As an individual um, and, and controlling what we can, where our feet are. Um, but, you know, you, you've, referenced, you, you've referenced the end of your career a few times now, or a couple times now. And, I, you know, I kind of want to ask one easy question. I want to ask one hard question. Um, you know, you've obviously been called up to the big leagues before and you've been sent down from the big leagues. What are those two experiences like? And especially, you know, as you've referenced the end of your career, how are, like, how are you learning from each one of those experiences and applying it to the next, uh, I guess, throughout? So I would say, like, first of all, like getting called up to the big leagues is probably one of the coolest things that I've ever got to imagine. Yeah. The first, the first time it happened, like, it was so, uh, like, awing, if you will, if that's a word. Sure. Then, like, it happened so fast, and I got sent back down. It was almost like, what, what just happened? Um, but the more and more times I got up, got down, like, it, it became simpler for me. Like, it wasn't so um, dramatic every time I'd get called up. Because I got, I got called up and down, man. I can't, I can't even tell you how many times I did. But it's just, it made it simple for me. What I took from it was just simplicity. I'm like, all right, I do my job. When they need me, they'll call me. And if I do great, I'll stick up here. If not, like sometimes like circumstances barring like only man on the, you know, has options or, you know, mm-hmm. is a long reliever, like easily expendable, whatever, you know, 
it, it made it simple. Like I show up to the field, I do my job, and then the rest is history. You know, it's like the rest is out of my hands. So um, I would just say like, man, getting up to the big leagues is, it, it's like, it's a surreal world. Sure. It's a really a surreal experience. Like it, it, professional baseball is like, it's not real life. <laughs> just say that, man. Like, I mean, you're wind and die and you're playing at the stadium. I mean, dude, I walked out, you know, at Bush Stadium when I debuted and it was like, I just stood out there and was like, holy shit, like, is this really happening? You know, and like, you know, the guys like messed around with me quite a bit, like when I was there. And for one, I got I debuted out of the bullpen and never pitched out of the bullpen in my career. So I was like, all right, what do I do? <laughs> like, yeah, I was a little ill prepared for that, but you know, it was what it was. But you know, just seeing like all the fans there and like stepping out and like seeing your name on the jersey that said St. Louis Cardinals on the front of it. I mean, I took a picture and I sent it to my family and I was like, you know, I made it. I did it. Like, I'm one of the twenty thousand people that have ever like donned a uniform. Like, I'm one of them, and no one can ever take that away. So I have. I have a tremendous amount of pride in that, like not like gloating wise, but yet it's like sure. oh, yeah, no. a huge accomplishment. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. So it was cool. Very humbling, extremely humbling going up, going down, trying to figure out how to stick, you know, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed just competing, you know, whether it was with the Cardinals, the A's, Rockies, Red Sox, like it didn't matter. Like I enjoyed going out and competing against the best in the world and it was fun. Scary as shit at times when you see Miguel Cabrera standing in the box. You're like, oh, sure. man, dude, like, could you be any bigger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you spent you spent almost two full seasons in the AL East. Oh, man. I mean, that's just a, it's a brutal division. It has been for a long time. But, I mean, what, what was that like playing in the AL East, playing for Bobby Valentine, who's just like one of the all-time characters in the game of baseball? Oh, man. Talk about like the tale of like two different years. Oh, yeah. 12 and 13, unbelievably different. So, like, 2012, like, ironically, was probably, like, the best year I had career-wise. And, you know, go, I went up and down probably, like, seven times that year. We'd go up for, like, a week and a half, get sent down, go back up, come down, go back up. So, like, I, didn't, I wasn't there for all the turmoil, but I definitely saw, like, my fair share of it. You know? Oh, man. But we were the worst team in the American League that year. I mean, when you're hearing the Baltimore Orioles fan at Fenway Park, like outnumber the Red Sox fans, like, dude, like that was a bad feeling. And getting booed <laughs> sucked, you know. But just seeing like the names of the guys you're competing against, like going to Yankee Stadium as a Red Sox and facing Alex Rodriguez, Robbie Cano, Derek Jeter, seeing Mariano Rivera come out, you're like, like, I, I don't really care. This is sweet. Yeah. And, you know, the Blue Jays weren't as good as they used to be. But, I mean, still, like, playing in that place, it's a bang box. And it's like getting the ball in the air, it's gone. And then you had the Rays that were always pesky. And, I mean, they're always good. So, man, it was just – it just made you realize, like, how impressive, like, major league ball players are. Because, man, you cannot take a day off, an inning off, a pitch off, like – it's exhausting. You know, like I was the long reliever for hell's sake. Like there would be like days I would go like 10 days without pitching and I would like come home with my wife and I'm just like, ah, oh. like I'm, I'm just like mentally drained. 
because at any given time, like I could have gone into that game. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. But shooting to 2013, you know, was a whole different story. And it was, I'm very glad that I got to experience that. Like, I remember coming into spring training, you know, and John Farrell was the manager. You had Tori Lavolo and Butterfield. I mean, Butterfield's a legend, by the way. He's so funny. But anyway, you know, you come into spring training and then you're kind of just this, this vibe that we have. Like after the first day of just being there, hearing Farrell talk, like seeing the guys, the energy that was in the clubhouse. And I'm sure you could even ask Rossi the same question. But it was like, I went home and I told my wife, I was like, babe, like, there's something special. Like, we're going to win it. Like, I'm telling you this right now. Like, we are going to win it. And it was like the weirdest thing. Like, you could just feel like we were about to mess some people up this year. And, you know, we go out to New York. We win two out of three. We go to Toronto. I think we either swept or went two out of three. But it was like every time we went to a place, like, we knew as a team, like, we're going to kick your ass. And there's nothing you can do about it. And we exerted it. And teams, like, you could just see them, like, kind of full. And it was like, oh, this this year is special. The group, the clubhouse, the camaraderie, like, it was really cool to be a part of that. And we got, you know, even as, like, you know, long reliever, like, just sitting back and kind of seeing just how things are working and how things are going. Like, it was just so cool. And, you know, how that year went, you know, wasn't to what I wanted it to happen. But it, yeah. it was what it was. And then to watch those guys, like, pop champagne and win that sucker at the end of the year, like, so cool. And I remember just looking over at my wife. I'm like, babe, I told you. I told you this team was going to win it. Well, and it was crazy. So two things I'll say about that is I'm looking at the roster. The, the, the Cubs connections are insane. I mean, Rossi, uh, you, Lester, Breslow. I mean, there's some, there's some, some Cubs connections. And, and other connections. You mentioned Josh Zide. He wasn't on this team. But Ryan LaVarnway who was Zaid's catcher on the Israeli baseball team. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'll stop going down that route. Well, 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 actually, Clayton, what was your relationship with Craig Breslow back then in 2013? Yeah, great question. No, it was, it was good. Um, I had met Craig. We played together in 2009 with the Oakland A's. Okay. So I knew him previously. And then when he, you know, when we both got over to Boston, like, you know, picked up right off there, like, Brez is the man. You know, he is brilliant. And he is really, really good at baseball. You know, it was just really cool to be around him. And it's, it's, I, you know, I have a different perspective of seeing him like as an old teammate. And, you know, so like I see him in probably a little bit different light than probably some of the other coaches we have in the organization. You know, he's really official now. He's, you know, he's, he's a hefe, but, you know, duly deserved, like, Rez is, Rez is brilliant and where he's kind of like taking the pitching department and where we're heading is like exciting, you know, cause he's got both worlds. He understands analytics. He sees, he's like 10 steps ahead. And, but he's still like, you know, he played for I don't know, 10 years, 11 years, whatever, like, you know, so he knows baseball. He knows like the inner workings of like how important culture is, how important the clubhouse is like leadership, et cetera. Like you can't just be one side or the other. So like combining both those worlds and, you know, like the mix of guys that we have, like it's, it's exciting, you know, and I, I just, I hope that I can still be a part of it for years and years and years to come. Did you get a ring for that 13 season? Sure shit did, man. I should have, I should have put that bad boy on, but 
Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, I did. It was really cool to get that sucker in the mail. The, the reason I asked for the listener's sake is, uh, is Clayton was traded in, in August as a, a waiver deadline or a waiver deal. Uh, right. They, I mean, they got Quentin Barry, I think the Red Sox did. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's cool. That you have a ring. That is, that is really cool. My, uh, my favorite thing looking through Clayton's game logs for his career was that I think, you know, Clayton was talking about being one of 20,000 big leaguers or whatever it is. I think he's got to be one of under 10 people in baseball history that have at least five major league seasons and their best outing ever was in Coors Field which I think was your first appearance of the 2011 season. So tell us a little bit about pitching in cores. And if you think that, you know, that winning can happen consistently with having to build a pitching staff in cores. Yeah, I mean, I would say pitching in cores was a lot easier than pitching in Colorado Springs. Let me say that. Uh, my sports, I had like a three, eight in the big leagues with the Rockies and I had like a nine and a half in Colorado Springs and triple. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I believe that you can, I believe that you can formulate a pitching staff and win. Like to me, like the way, like the game is nowadays, like the ball is so hard and like fences have come in, like basically every ballpark is a hitter's ballpark. Like there, there's very few ballparks out there still to this day that are pitcher friendly, not many. So absolutely. Like, yeah, the elevation does play a factor, but like, to me, it's like, it's still, you got to execute pitches. Like whether you got elite stuff or not, like it doesn't matter where you're at. Like you have to execute and you have to have a good team behind you and you have to have good culture in your clubhouse. And it's like, if you don't have those, like you're not going to win. Like, I don't care like where you're at. I kind of want to go back. I kind of want to go back to, you know, something I kind of picked up on when you were talking about the 12 and 13 seasons, um, you seem to have a ton of perspective and, and gratitude for the situation. And I kind of want to like, did you have that same perspective while you were playing? And, it, and if you did, how did you balance that with being where your feet were and uh, just doing your job on a daily basis? I would say yes and no, like a little bit of both. Like, I think like I appreciated it, but at the same time, like I was pissed that I wasn't there. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there were some things that happened that season that you know, you know, it, it still like irks me to this day. But um, that could have gone differently. But you know, it is what it is. And like, it as a player, like in the moment, like I don't think I definitely didn't see it like that. I was just more like, all right, the decision's been made. Like, think whatever's happened has happened. Like, we got to continue to move forward. Like, like the past is the past. Like, let's start moving forward. And, you know post-baseball like I'm extremely grateful for that you yeah. know I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today I wouldn't have the experiences and the perspective I have today if I didn't go through a lot of that stuff so you know there's always like that pro and the con like in the moment it sucks but if you let it eat you up then you're not going to get better from it you know and it was just a matter of all right let's just keep moving forward sure no, that, that totally makes sense. It just, it just seems like you just enjoyed uh, every moment. Maybe, maybe not so much how your time in Boston ended, but it seemed like you enjoyed every moment. You talked about facing Jeter, A-Rod, uh, Robbie Cano, seeing Mariano. Like, it just seems like you enjoyed every moment so much. I, I, I guess I was just curious as to how 
you do that and then you're like, okay, I'm still going to go K all these dudes, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I, I feel you. Like, to me, it's like, I'm, I'm a competitor. So it's like, yeah. whenever I step on the field, like I'm, I'm going to try and beat you. Yep. And I think, but it's like, I love baseball. I love baseball. Like everything about it, the ups, the downs, the daily work. Like, and I believe like in this game of baseball, like you have to love it. If you do not love everything about it, like you're going to have a hard time with it because there's so much that is out of your control in this game. And there's so much that can just derail you. Cause like, you know, progress is never linear. It's always up and down roundabout up like all sorts of craziness. So it's like, if you can just kind of enjoy the present and enjoy the path and the process, like, things tend to go a lot better than not. So, you know, I just, for me, that's a big part. Like if you just are not bought into the game of baseball, if you don't love the training year round, cause it's not a job, it's a lifestyle, you know, yeah. it's like, you're going to get burnt out real quick. You know, well, this I, game will, yeah. That, and that's kind of, I've told people that just because, I think baseball's looked at, and I guess it's really like any sport, but it's very monotonous, right? When you look at the routine, it's, it's very monotonous. And, um, you know, I think letting results dictate how you feel about the game is in probably an uh, incorrect way to go about it because the results are out of your control, right? The process, the days in between your start are days that you can go win simply by doing what you're supposed to do. Even if you got a game of catch to 90 feet, and you're just trying to like just get the arm moving around. You can control that game of catch and make it the best game of catch that you can make it. You can still win those days off. So um, to your point, though, if you don't appreciate and love the monotony of the game and the uh, just the routine that has to go into it in order to be successful consistently, which is arguably the biggest component of sustained big league time is consistency. Um, it, you're you're not going to make it, and that that's kind of just how it is there's too much that goes into it to not love the consistency of it yeah i think you nailed it on the head it's it's just like the the little battle like the results are just they're very surface it's yes. just right at the top of the surface so it's like there's so much more underneath that that you can take value from you know say you gave up eight runs in an inning and didn't make it out of the first inning I've done that numerous times, but it's like, you know, it's, Same. you can let it kill you or it's like, what can I do to get better? So next time something like that happens, maybe I can get out of that inning and progress my career, you know, and limit mm -hmm. that to one or maybe none. You know, it's just like when you sit there and keep thinking about, oh, I give up eight, my ERA is a 35, like, don't care. Right. Don't care. Yeah. That's, that's something, you know, big with the Cubs, which I really appreciate is that sticking to the process, like nobody really gives a rat's ass about your minor league numbers. Like right. it's about, can you make it to the big leagues and help our big league team, you know, win ball games, win a pennant. Like that's, that's the goal. And it's like the little things of like, Hey, am I like the pitcher of the week or yeah, that's cool. Or like, you know, did I do well? Did I do not? Like, it doesn't, that's not the big picture. It's like having that like main goal being like, I want to make it to the big leagues. Like all, all pitchers, baseball players, like that should be your goal. And it's like, what can I do to get there? And you got to love it. You got to love getting your ass kicked. You got to love kicking mm -hmm. other people's ass. Like, you know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta love all things about it. Well, I think, I, I think you're right because 
you know, I, and I guess there are multiple uh, layers to this because as a guy who did win pitcher of the month in, in August, that is something I can enjoy in the time being, but it's not something I can live on, right? You can't have your results as something that you live on. Um, and I, and I think, uh, you know, going back to my, to my last statement was just the, the consistency. I think that arguably more than sustained big league success that you exemplify success, consistency, because I think it'd be really easy for somebody, you know, you talk about getting sent up and sent down so many times. I feel like after a while, I feel like that's going to wear on people. And for you to, to, to have the journey you did and to have so many um, stints within the big leagues and just as long of a career as you did in professional baseball, I feel like you exemplify consistency, maybe more than a guy who spent his entire career in the big leagues. Yeah, well, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, right. it's a different perspective. I, I will say this in 2012. So like the best year of my career in the big leagues and probably even in the minor leagues. Like the environment that I had in AAA made it so like you know I, I didn't really care about like what was happening behind the scenes in the big leagues. Like to me, like it didn't really matter. Like it, it, sure, not affecting me do my job. So that that was more like just entertainment value because it was an absolute shit show at points. But <laughs> um, uh, but like when I would get sent down, like I loved the guys I was around. I love the pitching coach. Like, dude, I get here, here's a story for you. So we're in AAA, we're in Rochester. And me and our pitching coach and another, I think like two other players, like we're out, we're out golfing. You know, we went out and played golf. Get done playing golf at about 12 o'clock. I get a phone call saying, hey, pack your bags, you're heading up to the big leagues. You got to be in Boston. You know, your flight leaves at three. Mm -hmm. All right, sweet. You know, pack up my clubs, grab all my stuff, grab my gear. Um, I think I left my clubs there. But anyways, you know, I fly out. I get into Boston. We're playing the Tigers. I get in at like 5.30. Roll in. I was like, morning, what's up? Like, hey, throw all my uni real quick. Go out, play a light game of catch. You know, come back in, get a little bite to eat, go back out. We're playing the Tigers. And Beckett in like the second inning, back like spasms. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so... I'm sitting on the bench and all of a sudden it's like base is loaded, like two outs. All of a sudden the trainers are like phone rings. Morty, you're in the game. <sighs> all right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Get up and like jog in, jog in and get on the butt when I'm like throw my warm up pitches. And uh, I was like, all right, base is loaded, two outs. Like, who's up? Oh, Prince Fielder? Sick. <laughs> This is like prime right. Prince Fielder, too. Yeah, just got done playing golf like five hours ago. Legs feel a little bit like jello, but all right, let's go. And, you know, I, I throw first pitch ball, throw next pitch fastball, and, dude, he hits a tomahawk. Bow. And I was just like, holy shit. All right, sweet. I got a new life. And I throw him a good slider, swings and miss, throw him a change of any like, or slider, I can't remember how it went. I think it was a back-to-back -back sliders. Get him to fly out to center field. You know, cool, we get out of the inning. We end up scoring a couple runs. Like, I ended up going like four and two-thirds that day. We get into like the sixth inning or something, and we have the lead. And, you know, Bobby V comes out, takes the ball out, come walking off the field. And, you know, I got a standing ovation from the crowd. And it was like That's the coolest sick. thing in the world, man. Like I was jacked in the Standing rain. Standing ovation at Fenway Park. 
Yeah, I mean, they're like the 20,000 bands that were still there, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, still, though, like, they get an applause from, like, a crowd. It was awesome. The rain came, and then, like, it got banged, so, like, I got my win there. And I was, like, I was sitting in the locker room, like, that night, and I was just like, you know what? Today's been a great day. I think I shot like an 83 on the course, dude, flew up, got a dub. Like, I think I had like four or five punch outs that day, too. I was like, oh, hell yeah, dude, this game is sweet. <laughs> you just threw around 20,000 fans like it was no big deal. Yeah, you know, I think I played catch the next day and then I got sent down because I threw four to two thirds and I was out. So, right. <laughs> and then you saw an option. Yeah. That's, yeah, they gave me like the courtesy day the next day just to kind of like hang out. But, no, it was awesome, man. It was a crazy thing. You know, I go back down, and then I think when I got back down, I think I can't remember where we were at, but I think I went out and played golf like that next day. And it was like, you know, I'm not going to be pitching again for another two to three days, so I'm going to go play some golf. Like, it was just a matter of like, rather than thinking like I got sent down, I'm not in the big leagues. It was just I'm going to enjoy where I'm at, and I'm going to go about my business yeah. the way I'm going about it, and the rest is out of my control. So I'm going to enjoy it, and you know, and I, I think it's sad like to say like. You know, I've been in clubhouses in AAA where guys feel like they've been slighted or that they're not getting their dues. And it's like, you know, one side of me wants to tell them, like, man, dude, shut up. Like, the game does not owe you jack. It's like, dude, just enjoy where you're at, man. Get out there and play. Have some fun, dude. And, like, the rest takes care of itself. Sure. And, you know, it's just I, I feel bad for those guys that are so caught up in, like, what is not happening that they miss out on what is happening where they're at and just seeing the bigger picture so hopefully you know i don't know what it's like in our triple a but you know i know ron Malone is the man the absolute yeah. man. i love that guy he's so he's awesome clayton I, I love your perspective i just got done reading a book called qbq which is like one of the things like you basically like you're in control right like one of the the, the lines is stress is a choice and you know you're, you're sort of alluding to that right like you've chosen to make the most of the situation that you're in. Like you could bitch about it. A lot of other people do getting sent up and down and up and down and all that stuff. I'm curious for you, is that, was that a perspective that you've just always had through life or is that something that you had to learn? I would say it's a perspective I've always had, but didn't really like, I don't know, like understand it until I was older. Um, but man, I, I think I've always had that perspective because, you know, I come from a small town, Southeast Idaho. We're, we're not like, man, there's snow on the baseball field till like, there's snow in there till like June. So it's like, baseball's not a big place. Like, you know, I got one, one offer out of high school to go play at a small little junior college in Ontario, Oregon, you know, and going there and you know, this place is tiny. It smells of onions, but, but like, I loved every second of it, like the two a days, the 5 a.m. weights, like I loved it because it was baseball. Like I'm around 30 other dudes that we want to play baseball, like that are kind of on that same wavelength. So, you know, going through what I've been through, you know, throughout my career, like a lot of ups, a lot of downs, like I just appreciated where I was at. Just always, now that I see it as I'm older, like, I can say with certainty that my perspective then, maybe not knowing it, was just be present. Just be present in the now. Don't think about the future because it doesn't matter. Don't think about the past. It's in the past. Like, kind of all irrelevant. Like, enjoy what you're doing, where you're doing it, and the rest, like, it just kind of unfolds. 
So, so how do you how do you help a guy who's in the clubhouse, a young guy, you know, like not necessarily Max, but a guy like Max, right? Young guy, maybe doesn't have that same perspective that you do. That's really struggling and sort of just kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, just kind of bitching and moaning. How yeah. do you impart that wisdom on them? It's to me, it's like very like individualized. So it's like some guys like that's that's why I kind of like bring up the point of like getting to know your guys. Yeah, like knowing like who I can kind of kick in the ass and who I have to kind of not necessarily coddle, but more or less like be more of a listener to it. Um, and then try to you know bring it to their attention in a different light. So it's just it's very just dependent on the players, but just trying to share experiences with them to get them to possibly see it in a different light usually goes a long ways. You know, I think guys can appreciate like you've struggled, you've kind of been through the grind. You've kind of been through ups and downs, like, Oh, like, what did you do? You know? And like hearing your honest opinions of, it, I think goes a very long ways. Like whether or not like that's like game changing, but if that for one second can get them to think just a little bit differently about their situation, then you've made some progress to hopefully get them to where they need to be. So, well, to take a specific example from your season, I think the, the game from this last season with Myrtle beach that, that I'm most curious about. And I think it fits into what we're talking about is, is a Thursday game in Augusta in June. And I ask about it because it is the only start this year that DJ hers had any trouble. And he had, a lot of trouble. He had a, he had a really bad outing. He wore it for you guys pretty hard in the third inning. Um, And I've talked to DJ a little about it and I know that he considers it, you know, if not the most important thing that happened to him this year, like one of the more important things. So, you know, as far as like being able to coach through the struggles that you've had, that you've talked about already, you know, giving up eight runs in an inning before, like, now you have a, a player who's obviously a super talent like DJ is, and you can apply it. Like, can you talk maybe a little bit about that start and how it fits in the context of what we're talking about? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember that start very well. Like, you know, DJ was kind of running on gas at that point in time. Like, high school kid coming out, first time going through a season, like just being out there. I mean, man, that league is tough because it is so damn hot. And humid and DJ is probably the most disgusting sweater of all time. <laughs> now, you know, funny thing is, is like, man, I, w- I would let him use my jersey to warm up in so he could sweat it all out and then he could wear his for the game so it wasn't just like a big ball of, you know, sweat. But one big thing, like, you know, talking with DJ, like, like you mentioned, like, DJ is an outstanding athlete, like, probably one of the, like, the best competitors I've been around. And it's like, you don't have to do much with guys like that. Like talking with him is like, dude, embrace adversity. Like you're great. You're really good. But you got to remember, like, they are pretty good too. And dude, they're going to get theirs too. Like they get paid to hit. And when you're not, when you don't have your best stuff, yeah, you're probably going to get lit up a little bit, man. Like, and that's probably the one ballpark that probably plays to a hitter's favor in Augusta at all the ballparks we played in. Like that was definitely the one that kind of flew a little bit. And he gave up, I think he gave up like two or three homers that day, but you know, like, but he handled like a champ. Like I could tell, like it rocked him a little bit, but like just kind of reframing it. Like 
dude, you're going to get your butt kicked, man. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. But it's how do you respond to it? What are you going to do about it? Like, are you just going to sit here and complain that you got your tits lit? Or like, are you going to get back to work? And, you know, just seeing his drive, like DJ is one that he laments the fact that anybody could be possibly better than him at anything. (laughs) You know, and it's awesome. You know, it's a great trick. Because it's like, you know, the kid showed up hungry. Like, we did a develop a devilist for him, you know, gave him 10 days to kind of like get his feet back underneath them. We corrected a couple things and how he was kind of doing his throwing program, but um, like really kind of let him get another fresh start. And he really kind of kicked it into a different gear going through the second half. And having that, like having that moment of like where he doesn't have his best stuff, where he's got his butt kicked. And kind of felt like, okay, like, oof, like maybe I'm not like, you know, you have that moment of like insecurity. And it's like, dude, like you are really good. Like you got to believe in yourself, believe in the preparation that you're putting in. What are you doing to go out there and be great? Like, because talent only will take you so far. Like, everybody's talented. Everybody out here is talented. Everybody was the best in their high schools, their colleges, whatever. Like, that's pro ball. Like, are you going to outwork and outperform these other people? Like talk to talk, but dude, get out there and show me what you got. And dude, he did, man. Like he literally like seeing him in games was a lot of fun. Like the best game I think I could ever say, I watched him pitch, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to toot his horn too much. I don't need DJ getting a bigger ego than he is, but, you know, but watching him pitch in Fayetteville in his hometown yeah. with his family and the whole city that knows him, is there to watch him like a lot of people like get really nervous get timid like dj was on his game and it was incredible to watch he came in after like was it the third inning or fourth inning i can't remember it might have been the third inning or like his pitch count was starting to creep up there but you know he told me that he wanted to get double digit punch outs and he came in and he was like hey where am i at and i was like you got seven punches dude i'm like you need to give me three he was like all right I got you. Goes out and punches out the side the next day. You know, and he was just like, he was just in the zone. He was in his element. And I, for me, like character wise, seeing somebody that can embrace like family, friends, hometown, like a lot of people like, dude, it buckles them. You know, it just throws their mental off. He, He embraced it every single time. And it was just like, all right. This is like this kid's special. Like he's pretty, he's pretty special. I know he's been in the mini camps and all that, and he's gearing up for the year. So he'll, he'll be a fun one to watch, man. But not just to say about DJ, but like we got quite a few. Yeah. Like Bane's one. Like I was so mad at the beginning of the year because it was like I was hoping to get Bane. Bane was one of the analytic guys. I was like, sweet, I'm gonna pick his brain all year. I was a little bit more like the old school. I was like, man, I can't wait to like work with this dude, you know, and we got to a little bit in spring training and then it was like, you know, he earned the right to go up. And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> I'd love to have him come hang out with me in Myrtle Beach. I mean, I, I, uh, I think we were talking about it a little bit before, uh, maybe you jumped all the, jumped on the call or jumped on air, but, um, just the the opportunity to work with you during camp was uh, was really fun, man. Like it just he, hearing from a guy having no experience within professional baseball, 
prior to this year, really, right? You take, there's a mini camp and then you have COVID and all that stuff. And you come in and the first guy that you're working with has big league experience and he's a good communicator. And he, you can actually tell that he, that uh, he cares about each individual. I think that was a really cool introduction for me. And I think it would have been really fun to work together. Um, I mean, obviously I really enjoyed my time in South Bend so much so that I stayed there the entire year. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can, uh, I guess, I can, uh, I'm really thankful for the, the experiences that we had, uh, during spring training. And, um, you know, we did, we did get to spend quite a few games together just, uh, between playing the other organizations in Arizona and you got to see me at highs and you got to see me, um, at lows and really personal and vulnerable. So, um, yeah, you got to see his last 99s. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I told, I told Clayton, (laughs) Clayton was in the dugout for that game against the angels too. Yep, exactly. We're at, so we don't we don't do a video feed, but for everybody listening, um, the story I've told about how I threw this game in the stadium and I just chucked the radar gun every time. Uh, Clayton gave a nice little demonstration of uh, me throwing the ball and checking the left field scoreboard. <laughs> Literally, like the ball just left your fingertips, and the head is already looking back at the. Below. Hey, what did what did I tell you before the game though? What did I tell you in the bullpen before I went out there? I believe you're going to try and hit a hundred that day. Yeah, I said, hey, the ball's coming out good. Today's the day. And I didn't do it. <laughs> I'll take some 99s, though. 99s play. I, was a, I, was a, I went out there for the second, and I was like, hey, what the hell? Where'd it go? Where, the number, where'd it go? And, I, and, like, I knew. But at the same time, it was really cool to have that experience. And, um, yeah, no, that was cool. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate that. And, you know, and it's like – to me, like what I envision in an organization is kind of like what, what we're doing as the Cubs. Cause like, you know, I played for five, six, seven different organizations. And it was always like, you know, we have this way of, this is our way, the Cardinal way, or the Royal way. And it was always like, you're kind of, you're kind of getting like pushed into these like molds per se of like, mm-hmm. you know, this is how like we do things as opposed to like, Hey man, like this is open. Like we are trying to see what can you bring to the table? What do you do well? What can we maximize? How can we get the most out of you? You know, and the the scouts do a great job bringing in great talent. R&D does a great job of like showing us as coaches like, "Hey, these are some things that stand out. All right, how can we maximize this? What are some deficits that we can work on?" As opposed to being like, "All right, we're just going to be an org that just does this and does this, does X, does Y. Like, you know, and that's not a knock on any of the organizations by any stretch. You know, I think everybody is evolving and adapting with the times. And I feel like we've really kind of pushed through that, that threshold of like, we are going to continue to evolve and adapt and to try to push our departments, player development, especially like to new heights. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm really excited about it because it's like, man, we just, you see so much talent. A lot of the guys that we signed and traded for, like, you know, Cubs fans, if you are listening, like you need to be excited because mm-hmm. there are some freaking dudes out there that we got to see that are, are going to turn some heads here pretty soon. So, um, but like as a culture wise, like, it's not like the fact that I don't have to like walk on eggshells when I talk to a player 
of like, oh, like I can't say this, I can't say that. Like they allow me to kind of be myself, which is awesome. Like, you know, and like, granted, like there's some things I won't say, whatever, like, yeah, there's protocol, but yet it's like, they want you to coach. And it's like, this is providing you with information, educating us and, you know, and being able to relay that to the players. So the players don't feel like they're on an island having to figure this shit out by themselves. Cause I can guarantee you this right now, like, if you are trying to figure this out on your own, you're going to fail, 100%. Yeah. Very few, like maybe one out of the 20,000 is able to like, you know what, I did this with no help whatsoever. Like, I, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. Well, one of the things you talk about with, with, the, uh, with the culture, right? Not only are we bringing in great talent, but we're bringing in great people too. You know, there are very, you know, I, you've been in enough locker rooms to know that not everybody's going to be a great human being and that's just the way the world works and that's okay. Um, but it's been a unique, uh, I guess, experience in terms of, like I said, inside a clubhouse to where I don't, we don't have those guys in our organization, top to bottom. And I think that makes for, um, such a, uh, cohesive working unit in a, you know, um, just, just that culture that we're building, man. I, it's, it's, uh, you know, you talk about Cubs fans need to be excited for the good talent, but or the great talent, but we need to be excited about the great people too. You know? No, it is, man. Like that, 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 I think you nailed it. Like no, like one bad apple in a clubhouse can ruin a team. Mm -hmm. It can affect multiple people's performances, bad energy, bad attitude. I'm a big energy when there's like a bad vibe, bad energy going around, like it's contagious and performances suffer when the vibe is right. And guys are excited. They're pulling for each other. Like, man, you roll out there and you whoop ass. Like, it's just, that's where I think the biggest part of our biggest part of coaching, in my opinion, is creating an environment where guys are excited to show up to the field, excited to do what they're doing and get after it. Like, that's just the biggest thing. Like, when you are lamenting showing up to the field and you hate where you're at, like, man, it's going to be a long season for you and it's going to suck. But it's like, when you enjoy the people you're around, when you have a unit that's just open and free flowing, like it's good things happen from that. Good things come from that. And I can say that from that 2013 team, no bad apples, man. Like you could just see it. Like, Everybody did their job, held each other accountable, and dude had a great time. You know, I can't I can't say all the stories that we did. It was, <laughs> it was like, man, it, it was fun. You know, and it was just you you were excited to go out and play, and I think that's what brings out people's true ability to perform, rather than like you know any metric or whatever. Like that to me is extremely important. So. For me as a pitching coach, like I try to set that tone with my guys, you know, with our guys that I'm yeah. just, I try to bring that energy every day. I try to, when a guy has had a bad day, like I don't crush him, you know, it's just like, Hey man, like, you know, you gave up a few runs, but dude, you punched out that dude, you know, that 96 up at the, you know, top of the zone, dude, swung and whiff. Like I was sweet. Like, that's yeah. what we're looking for. like creating that environment is to me, extremely important. I think that's where like great things start to happen. So we need to, we need to get a good buddy Bailey story from you when, because you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that everyone listening knows buddy, but he's the low a manager this year and a, and a legend in minor league baseball. I believe 
the winningest minor league baseball manager ever. Um, but I think fourth. But okay, fourth. He, okay, he, he's like he's way up there on that list. But also a character that that a lot of people talk about and a lot of people love. So we got to we got to get a buddy story from you. Oh man, like I don't have any like off the top of my head that are just that stand out with Buddy. But having an experience with him in Myrtle Beach was it was good. Like Buddy's got man, he's got stories. Like he's got some crazy stories. Like Buddy probably Buddy's probably one of the most like old school guys you can probably come across. But he's he's got a wealth of information, you know. Me and him didn't always see eye to eye, which I doubt that any coaching duo out there ever does. Sure. But, you know, I learned a lot from Buddy. You know, and I, I respect a lot of the stuff that he brings to the table. And, you know, he'll be the manager back there again this year, and I'll be the pitching coach this year. So I, I'm excited to get back there and work with him. And, you know, I, speaking of which, I actually was thinking about it the other day. I need to reach out to him and see what he's doing. I know he was going to go to Spain this offseason, which, like, blew my mind. But just like, just the thing, like Buddy doesn't miss anything. If there's one thing I can say about Buddy, Buddy doesn't miss anything. In a game, if you're doing something, like he sees it. He sees everything. And, you know, he's just, the way he says stuff is just, it's so funny. You know, West Virginia, he's, he's got the country bumpkin accent, dude. It's just, he, he's a character. And, you know, especially like after the game, like sitting down having a beer or two, like, man, he, he'll just start rambling stories. And it's just, it's funny to hear him kind of in his element. So, yeah, I, w- I wish I had like just one standout moment, but, you know, just, I could just say like a whole season worth of money is like worth the storybook. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a, there are a lot of Cub fans that listen to this podcast. We talked about the, the teams, the Red Sox teams you played with. There's a lot of Cubs connections specifically David Ross or even John Lester, John Lackey, any of those guys, you have any good stories about playing with those guys or just things that experiences that you had with them? So I, I would probably say I was more like the fly on the wall. Like, you know, they were yeah. like, the, the flights are always the best part about it. But, you know, I was always more of a spectator because like, man, when you see Lackey pulling out his like checkbook, I'm like, dude, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> you know, like, those guys didn't mess around, man. Like when they play cards, high, low, whatever, like they, they just had such a good time. Like that, especially like the starters, like Buckholtz, Lester, Lackey, dude, Lackey's the man. Lackey's an awesome teammate. Um, Lester too. Like Lester's probably one of like the best dudes I've ever met. Like just person wise. And his work ethic is like by far up at the top echelon. That's why he's been so good for so long. Uh-huh. But, you know, like, just seeing those guys, like, and just kind of being around it, like, you kind of just feed off it. You know, you see their little banter, them talking shit to each other about who did what, you know, it's like, it's just, it's fun. It's fun to be around, you know. And the, the, the low-key guy that no one ever really, you know, talk, talked about too much was Buckles. You're like, Buckles is sneaky funny. And he is probably one of, like, the best athletes I think I've ever seen in my life. I say that because we were doing like the strength and conditioning test when you roll into spring training, which is garbage in my opinion, but mm-hmm. we did like the 300 shuttle and they're like, all right, Morty, you kind of look like Buckholz. You're tall and skinny. Like, Hey, hop in with him. Dude, that kid runs like a deer. 
I was like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> but, you know, those guys in particular, Rossi, I will tell you a story about Rossi where I, gra- I gained a tremendous amount of respect for him. Spring training in 13, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that I'm like, I'm trying to prove that I deserve to be on the team. Rossi's on the team. He's the backup catcher. Like, you know, he's kind of like the glue in the clubhouse. Like, I'm trying to prove that I deserve to be on this team. So every time I like to pitch, like, I'm trying to get guys out. And, you know, for me, I had a really good changeup. I had a pretty good slider. And probably my fastball was average to below. So I'd always go to my guns. You know, and Rossi kept putting old number one down. And I'm like, no, no. Nope. He just kept putting it down. And then like afterwards, he was like, hey, I need you to throw this pitch because I got to know if you can do this when it comes game time, when it's actually nut crunching time. Can you execute this pitch? And I'd never thought about it that way. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like he's learning me rather than, you know, I'm so caught up in my own little world. I'm trying to get out. It's like he's learning me. And I, I just gained a tremendous amount of respect because he gave me a different insight of like what he was actually looking for. He's learning, he's processing. So like, hey, if Morty comes into the game at this point in time, like with this hitter, where does this match up? Well, what can I go to? What can he execute? What can't he? Yeah. So I, I, I thought that was next level. So I thought that was really cool. It's no shocker that he ended up becoming a manager. <laughs> Now, that's not to say that I ever threw the fastball. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Clayton, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, we talked about it in the open before we brought you on. Um, but I, I want the audience to learn about Smiles for Miles. And uh, I want them to learn about it in hopes that maybe they feel compelled to, to help in and, and, and some small way or however they feel comfortable. So tell us about Smiles for Miles. Sure. Yeah, like, so, <laughs> so Smiles for Miles is a nonprofit organization that me and my wife created in 2019, and we do it in honor of our son, Miles, who passed away in 2018, September 11, 2018, from neuroblastoma, which is a very rare childhood cancer. He was diagnosed right before he turned the age of three. So for four or five years, like he battled this and, you know, chemo, radiation, you name it. And, you know, and he passed away in 2018. And in 2019, me and my wife decided that, you know, we want to, we want to help others that are in this situation because it is extremely hard, extremely hard, very lonely, very depressing situation and we wanted to we wanted to do something so it kind of like started by doing a christmas toy drive so after he passed away we did um we did a celebration of life and we invited a bunch of people out we did kind of a toy drive for his celebration of life and for with those toys we decided we wanted to fill up the the toy closet in the oncology department at Banner Thunderbird in Peoria, Arizona. And because that's where he was treated at was Banner, Banner Thunderbird. And the staff there, the oncologist there, like just top notch. So 
that was one thing we wanted to do. And, you know, we got hundreds of toys. And so we decided that we were going to actually make it legit. And we started doing it year, yearly, doing fundraising. And so like, it's just, it's kind of grown. And now we do, we put on events for all the oncology kids that are in the hospital. Um, we do, we do all events at Halloween, uh, Christmas, we do uh, gift card drives. We go and we restock the, the toy closet frequently. You know, and I, I'll say like my wife does probably like 99% of this. Like my wife is an absolute saint and, you know, she drives this whole thing. And it's just really awesome to be able to give back. Like, cause this, like that pediatric oncology, it's such like a small family. And it's just, it's so devastating. You know, every time we do this, like it's always devastating. We have like, seeing all these families and there's just more and more that just keep coming in and like kids getting diagnosed. Like they, they didn't have a choice. They didn't have anything like, so if we, we were just like, what can we do? Like we have a platform. What can we do to help? What can we do to help people kind of make it through this? So like, whether it be like gas cards, helping pay some bills, giving toys, like, cause every time like a kid goes in to get treatment, like, you know, our son, he had a, uh, Portocatheter, right, right on his chest. So every time, like he would go in, they'd have to poke through the skin, you know, and he would get his medication. So every time we would leave, like he's like, "All right, here's your prize, like go get a toy." And just the toys they had in there, man, were just half the time you just look in there and just kind of like, like it, what? It just it was sad. It was like, all right, like these these are not even remotely, you know, any anything. So yeah. You know, but when he did get a good toy, like it made him happy and seeing him smile was the only thing that we cared about. Like those little moments where he would smile, like mean the world. So like being able to do that for other kids, other parents, like it's just the little, little things go a very, very long way. And I know, you know, so many of these families that we've seen over the, the years have expressed their gratitude of like you know what you guys are truly awesome and it's like and we're just trying to help like because this sucks regardless like it sucks and it's you know like you guys all you know both you guys mentioned that you have you know you have kids and it's like there's nothing i i can't i can't even like begin to like explain the feeling that that hits like when someone tells you that your child is diagnosed with cancer and has like a 20% probability to live. Like it was like, it was like an anvil dropped on my head. And it's like, you know, you kind of go into shock. And then it's like two days later, he's in chemo. It's like, you know, you, you can't even like catch your breath. And yeah, so it is, it's just something that we've been very passionate about. And, you know, we keep it pretty low key, like, but it's just a matter of like, doing something to try to impact other people's lives that are going through some stuff. And like, we were fortunate, like, and this is why, like one thing that I will never ever speak ill of the Kansas city Royals, because those people in that front office, Dave Moore, JJ Piccolo, Scott Sharp, like are st- upstanding human beings. Cause I was sucking 
at the end of my career, but yet they knew what we were going through. So they kept resigning me so I could keep my insurance because there's no way we could have afforded any of that. Like, man, going in for one round of treatment is like $650,000. Like, what? Yeah. So I was like, you know, they kept signing me back and, and just so that we could do that. And I thought that was like, baseball wise or not, like, I was like, man, you guys stand up. So that, that, that's a little bit, that's a little bit about our organization, you know? And like I said, man, like my, my wife is incredible. Like what she has done with this organization and what she has done to the community of oncology kids. Like, it's just, it's awesome. It's, I'm, I'm extremely proud to see her kind of go to work and do her thing. And I know I need to be better about it. You know, I'm not, I'm not like a huge Twitter guy. I'm not a huge like Instagram guy, but yet still like just, you know, every time you kind of see something on Twitter or something like someone going through some stuff, like it hits a little bit different. So yeah, that's kind of my show without like just absolutely breaking down into tears. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing. Um, how can people help? Where, where can they find smiles for miles? So we are, um, we're on uh, smilesformiles.org. You can go onto the website and it just, it gives like a rundown of our kind of our past. Like it gives a rundown of our son. It gives a rundown of where you can help out. There's always like donations, toys, gift cards, like just the age of like digital. It's, you know, any like donation goes a long ways. You know, we do a lot of stuff like going through Amazon and getting gift cards. So kids in the, you know, kids in the, oncology clinic can have you know ipads or you know apps that can afford like games and stuff like that like just little things that can help out so go on there see it you know and if like you know if it hits you in a way like we would appreciate the donation you know you know i I will say this like just like kind of bringing it in around like kind of like why i am the way i am why i see things is a lot has to do with my son and the one thing, like, I tell my players this, you know, and it's like, I tell them at the beginning of the season, like, kind of give them a rundown of what it is. But, like, I remember one game, like, I pitched, and I didn't do well at all. And, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to pitch, perform. My son's going through treatments. My wife's got my daughter, him. She's running the household. Like, all this is going on. Like, I got all these, like, things going on in my head. And I just, you know, I suck. You know, and my son, Miles, he asked me, he's like, Daddy, he's like, did you win? I was like, no, but like, I didn't, I didn't do very good today. He's like, but you did your best, right? And it just like, and it just hit me. And I was like, yeah, like I did, Miles. Like I did, Peanut. Like I did my best. And he's like, yeah, okay. You know, and then he just like smiled, like went back to doing his thing. And like that, like those like words that he said to me, like changed my life. Yeah. And it's just like, I try to tell my guys that I try to tell the guys, whoever I'm coaching, just like, Hey, if you can look yourself in the mirror and you can say like, Hey, like I did my best. I put everything I had into this and the chips fell the way they did. And if it's the way, you know, like for the better or worse, like it is what it is. Like, but knowing that you did your best, like that's to me, like, then you can walk away and be like, okay, like I did everything I could and just, it just didn't go my way. Okay, on to the next. Our, our family motto is, you know, Meet the Robinsons was one of his favorite movies. 
you know, I, I love all the Pixar movies, like Pixar, Disney, like I will watch those all day long. But one of his favorite movies was Meet the Robinsons. And, you know, the motto in that is, is uh, you know, keep moving forward. And that's just, that's something we've adopted. And that's just, that's us. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, thank, thank you for sharing. Sorry, go ahead, Max. I was just going to say, we talked about, um, wow. Um, we talked about good people within the game. And I think you're a very clear example um, but everybody you mentioned, uh, especially talking about your time with the Royals and them re-signing you back, like, you know, last week, last week on the podcast, and I'm sure you heard it in the Jensen, the Jensen intro, we talked about how, what we're thankful for, right? We do that every week. And, um, I had talked about the, just how thankful I am for the baseball community and how supportive people are and just how much. It is, it is a really small world and the way people take care of each other is it's pretty remarkable. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that story because it's, I, I got to imagine it's difficult or I, I can't, I can't, like, I can't even put that. I have no perspective um, on that and it's impossible for me to even try to relate or even imagining. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that story and just, man, the good people within the game. They, uh, they have, a, have a way of fighting each other. There's a lot of good people in this game. You know, like, there's, there's so many stories that I could share with that. Like, one time in Omaha, like, Buddy Bauman, you know, shout out to Buddy. But, like, he orchestrated this thing, like, without me knowing it. Like, did a, a full-on, like, fundraiser. Like, got bats, gloves, people from, like, the Rockies, Red Sox all chimed in. And there was a huge, like, auction one night. And the owner of the AAA, you know, Omaha Storm Chasers, Gary Green, like said, like, hey, whatever's raised, I'll match. Like $9,000 was raised. And he yeah. matched it. He gave us a check for like 18 grand. I was like, I was just dumbfounded. by it. I was just blown away. It's just the Colorado Springs, like the Brewers, like they gave all their like court money, like their kangaroo court money, like they donated yeah. it. To us, like it's just like, and I went in and talked to him, and like I just, I, I broke down. I was just like, you guys, like, have no idea. Like, it's more than a game. It's more than just a game. Like, it, there's so much more to it than that. Like, yeah, like winning, losing. Like, I don't know. I, to me, like, it just that that can be important in the moment, but there's so much more in this game. That this game will teach you the people that are in it. Like. There's just, it's so much cool. That's why I just have such like a great love for this game and the people that are in it. Yeah, I think one one theme we've had on the podcast since the beginning is is how, you know, you can watch a player on the field and the player can make an error or get shelled in an inning and, you know, you have no context for what's going on behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I mean, your story blows any of those other versions out of the water. But, you know, I think that, I think the good lesson that I hope our podcast is trying to shine light on is if you if you get to know the people in this game, you get to know the stories behind it. It just makes rooting for rooting for them, rooting for the sport, and and just participating in this hobby that much uh, that much more beneficial for for us as people. Oh, no doubt. I, I I think just like the world is in such like a weird place right now, but it's like. 
just kindness goes such a long ways. Like have empathy for people. Like yeah. you don't you don't know what's going on. And that's why like I think it's just a big thing that I, I, I try to get to know guys. Like I wanna I wanna get to know you. I wanna know what's going on. Like what because to try to think that what's happening at home with your family or whatever, like your personal life, it does not affect what you do on the field is absolutely ludicrous. Like it has a tremendous effect. Like I I I think I probably was in the best shape of my life, <laughs> the famous words, but like stuff wise at age 32 was probably the best I've been in my career, but yet I like, I was a mess mentally. And it was just like, you know, from outside perspective, you probably like, dude, why is this guy still here? Like, you know, and be quick to like say something, but yet you just don't know. So that's why, like, I, I'm always reserved before I jump on a guy or something. Like, I'll never do that because it's just like, man, you don't know what kind of like demons or what what's going on, you know. And if you can kind of help them, or at least like just be an ear to listen to, you know, for them to get something off their chest. Because even just doing that goes a tremendous way, you know, just to get something out in the open and just to be like show a little bit of vulnerability, and then you grow. So, I just, to me, I'm, I'm not one that. They, there's more to baseball than baseball. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just, I think the motto is just, just like show kindness, man. People struggle. Like everybody struggles. Like who are we to like point the finger and say like, oh, you're terrible. <laughs> like, right. This, this game is hard in itself. Now you couple that with what you got going on outside the game. Like, man, that's tough. Well, you, you talked about the, uh, the importance of having an ear and, um, Again, my, my situation doesn't hold a candle, uh, but I know the importance this year for me, uh, or the, I should say this past year, we're in 2022 now. Um, I know how important it was for me. We had David De Silva going around affiliates and you know, his, his involvement with the mental skills, mental health, you know, uh, that department. Um, I know how beneficial it was for me to just sit down with him it happened twice where I just sat down with him for like 30 to 45 minutes and I just aired out all of my stuff and, and just the in turn, how much, like, I don't want to say how much better I felt, but just how much it helped to really just have somebody who listened uh, and, and empathized with me um, was crucial. And I, I guess my, where I'm going with this is um, did you have an ear and, you know, if you didn't, was it your choice or I guess, how did you go about that? Yeah. Yes. And no. Um, my wife, definitely, yeah. you know, like she understood what I was going through and she always would push me to keep going. And, um, and a lot of the players knew what was going on, but you know, like no one can really kind of like put their, you know, right. put themselves in my shoes. So, but like, you know, one guy, Malcolm Culver was, you know, he was like my roommate on the road and like we would talk and whatnot, but it, it's just like, to your point, like, that's why I really enjoy like your podcast and stuff. Cause it's like, it gives, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, people are very, you know, when they have something like, they're just more open to like saying what's kind of on their mind. You know, that's why like you do it kind of like full circle of like, you know, I wanted to talk to my coaches like that. Like, I wanted to, like, like, hey, like, I, I got some, like, shit brewing. Like, I need to get this out. But it's like, 
Yeah, and that's not a knock on any of those guys, but it's just I want to make it so that players don't have to like view us as all right. You coaches are over here, players were over here. Like, right. man, we are in this shit together. Like, yeah. like I've been through some shit. Like, you've been through some shit. Like, you know, and it's not to say mine's worse or not. Like, it just gives you perspective. Like, I right. think if there's anything I can do is like bring just a different perspective. And it's not saying that you have to like adopt that, but yet it's like just see see your situation a little differently. And it's about being able to be vulnerable and be able to be open. Because mm-hmm. once you're able to do that, like I would imagine that you were able to kind of grow a little bit. Yeah. And that's our high performance does a great job. Like I've been very impressed with the Cubs and what we're doing is just there's a lot of people that care. You know, and I, you know, and I'm gonna say this about the Royals too. Like the Royals are the same way. Like just a lot of people that like care not only about baseball, but about the human being. When you leave us with the Cubs, like my goal is that you are a better ball player and a better human being, you know, better dad, brother, husband, whatever. Like that is a goal. Like we, that's just how I operate. Like, I want to impact you, not just in baseball. And if, if I don't in baseball, then hopefully like in life, like you can be a little bit better. Who knows? Sure. And by hearing your guys' stuff, like helps me. <laughs> like it does. That's cool. That's, uh, that's, that's, I don't really know what to say, man. That's, that's really cool. I think, um, I think we're in a, I want to say a different time because I also don't want to make, like, I don't want to make you feel dated, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think, I, I think hey, we are. No, don't make old jokes here. There's no, I, I know. The I'm the only, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I do think we're in a different time and I guess, the reason why I asked if you had an ear and I hope that wasn't too invasive. Um, but the reason why is because I think now it's more socially acceptable, right. To seek that out. Right. For me to sit sit down with David and say, Hey, look, I need 45 minutes of your time and to like actually talk to you. I think that's more acceptable now than it was say in 2014 or 20, like even two years ago, I think it's more socially acceptable now. Um, so I, I, I guess that's why I asked. And again, I hope it wasn't too uh, invasive. No, absolutely not, man. Like, I think vulnerability and speaking about your struggles like had the connotation of being weak or yeah. less or something. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's, you know, people just dealt with things a lot differently. Like, you curb it and you just internalize it. But, man, like, that's going to come to a tipping point at some point. So... Like, I think just people are more willing to acknowledge nowadays, like, hey, man, like, we're not all perfect. Like, nobody's perfect. Like, everybody is going through some crap. Like, life's not easy. Life sucks. <laughs> like, it can be hard. But if you can find little simple joys in it and you can communicate with people, like, it makes it that much better. It makes it a little bit easier. So, like, I'm a big believer in it. I talked to Silva and... um uh, man, his name's, I feel bad because his name is Javi. Javi, man. Like, Javi's my yeah. boy. But it's like, I got a tremendous amount of respect for those guys. Like, because, like, diving into the mental is so much harder and there's so much more depth in obstacles than anything physically. 
Mm-hmm. And we can look at biomechanics all day long. And we get, you know, all this material we get is great. But man, if you don't know like what this thing is doing, like it's all, it's all shit. Right. In my opinion. So it's get to like, I think that's why I approach the game the way I do is like, I, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me, whether you like me or not. Like it's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. But it's like, at least, you know, I'm being genuine. Yeah. And you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. I, 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 uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that guys didn't like you. So for the, for whatever <laughs> that's worth. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I rubbed a few people the wrong way. I'm, I'm sure I do. Like, you know, it's like, you don't have to be everybody's best friend, but it's just like, sure. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be genuine. with you. Yeah. No, I think that's like the most important characteristic, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can go to bed saying that you stuck to who you were and not everybody's going to like you. And that's fine. Like that's, there's too many people for everybody to like you. There's, it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting you said that because, like, I, I talked with my daughter about this the other day. Like, she had a friend that she had in like kindergarten that was a good friend, and then a day, like, she brought in a couple gifts. She didn't give her one, and then they weren't best friends, and then they saw her the other sure. day. Yeah, she asked if they could be best friends again, and they were like, "I guess." Like, you know, and it made her feel a little down. But it was like. Like in all in all honesty, it's like the only two people that you should really care about are mommy and daddy's opinion. Like everybody else, like that's that's their issue. They don't like right. you. Like you can't make people like you or shouldn't shouldn't care what other people have to say. Like I don't got time for that. Like, yeah, like it's not it's not important to me. Like you know, granted, like you hear like you know the front office and whatnot. Like you know, the one thing you don't want to have them saying is like, "Oh, you're a piece of shit." Like, right? Yes. You know, no, there's certain but, times to apply it, right? There, there's yes. certain times. Yes, it's it's all it's uh, circumstantial. We'll call it that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But it's just a matter of like, dude, just be you. Yeah. And yeah. try and like just be accepting of people who they are. Yeah. And that's like the coolest thing about baseball. Is there's so many people from so many different backgrounds, way they grew up, countries they're from. Like probably one of my my favorite kids that I've ever been around was with the Royals, and he was from Taiwan. Yeah. Like I couldn't wrap my like I went to Taiwan for a month, and I pitched in like the CBBL, like their version of the fall league. Sure. You know, I was trying to get signed overseas, but I went over there, and it was like, man, it was eye opening. Like I couldn't even imagine. Like I could imagine after going there, like, dude, you come to the United States, you don't speak any English, you know, Spanish, like, yeah, you can kind of like, it's, I think a little bit more known of like verbiage and not, not Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's no, you can't pick anything up in that. So it's like, I got so much respect for those guys that come over here, forced to learn a language, have to compete. Everything about society is completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I think it's so cool to see guys from all different backgrounds, you know, rich, poor, D1, JUCO, like whatever, high right. school, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just, to me, I, I always try to make the guys know, like, if you're a free agent signing or a first round pick, I'm not going to treat you any different. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to treat you the exact same as I treat everybody else. Like, you don't get any preferential treatment or no treatment from me. Right? It's just, I'm going to treat you like a human being. 
So I think like when people can start to kind of get at that, I think then that's where guys start to gel. It's like, oh, you don't have to be for my status or for my country or whatever. Like, sure. I love it when I see like the gringos and the Latinos like in their dance into the music or trying to like, it's, it's, it's awesome. Bonding. I think it's awesome. So that's outstanding. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, it, it, we're, uh, it's about 1130 here on the East coast and we've taken mm-hmm. about an hour 45 of your time. So I, I uh, I want to leave with one last thing that I, I I've been waiting to tell you this entire, this entire episode. Um, rarely do I say these kind of things um, just things up this alley. Cause again, I don't like, don't want to date people. Um, dude, you were on my fantasy team growing up. <laughs> you, uh, I'm sorry. Think, think, <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Well, I can leave this episode knowing that I had at least one good person on my fantasy team. You know, it is just, dude, that's, that's, that's yeah. So I, I was telling Brian and Chris before you jumped on, it's like, you know, uh, or maybe it was even part of the intro, but it was like, you know, I saw Kipnis at, at uh, spring training in 2020 and it was like, I don't want to tell him that I saw him play baseball at Arizona state. Cause like, I don't want him to be, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know if I would want to be on the receiving end of that. Um, but yeah, having you on tonight, like I, I gotta tell you that. So thanks yeah. for, uh, thanks for putting up some numbers in the time that, in the time that I had you. I appreciate yeah, you. Of course, man. I, I appreciate you guys. Having <laughs> me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. It's been, I feel like I've just kind of blown it for a long time, but no, it's, no. it's good, man. It's good. So I'm glad that I'm, major fantasy roster dude like i'm beyond shocked that i somehow stumbled on that roster <laughs> hey, it was a 12 team it was a 12 team league so you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man. yes thank you for your time tonight clayton um this has been outstanding man this is uh man this is one of our be- better best interviews to date hands down so uh Thank, I can't thank you enough for your time tonight, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting after it with you at uh, mini camp here shortly, um, and just you know, thank you for everything over the past year and in advance, man. Of course, man, dude. I, I'm I'm beyond excited for this year. It's yeah. it's going to be both. such an awesome year. Like, I think we got so many guys getting healthy. We got guys like you know, you had your first like kind of cup of tea with going through pro ball, like. It's once you get that experience, then that next year it's like, all right, like it's time to go. So yep. it's 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 gonna be a fun year. For sure, man. For sure. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on, dude. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's thank you, Clayton. Man. Thank Clayton, you. Thanks so much. It was great to get to know you a little bit. Hopefully we can meet at some point in person. Brian and I hope to come out to spring training. So when we do, we'll hit you up and, and, and say hello. Yeah. Give me up any time, fellas. I'm always open, dude. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Cool. Thank you again, Clayton. I appreciate you. No worries, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, dude. Yes, sir.